With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, aka 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Over the Monster podcast. As always, it is me, your host, Matt Collins, and I am joined, again as always, by Brian Joyner. And Brian was... What game were you at? You were at the first game on Friday at Yankee Stadium? Yes. So that was... uh, If we want to find somebody to thank... For the sweep at Yankee Stadium, I think uh, Brian. I think you're the guy to thank. You were there for the first game. You you set the tone for the Red Sox last weekend. Well, as as much as I would like to take credit for that, <clears throat> you might you might take that back when I tell you that I didn't get in to my seat until uh, the middle of the first inning, which means I missed the Rat Devers home run, which means I missed the I missed the runs that mattered because the Yankees scored two <laughs> runs. I think so. For, but on the plus side for me, they just they never trailed the whole time I watched, so that was wonderful. There you go. Was uh was that because of the security line, or are you just late? Because I've heard the security line at Yankee Stadium is like absolutely ridiculous. Uh, you, it was the the line took a while. Uh, there was more traffic than I suspected. I tend to look for street parking before I dive into a lot and then park if I can't find it. And a lot a little farther away to save a couple bucks. So all that, uh, plus the line was bad. But the line was way worse before COVID. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I was going to say, not, well, it's, but, uh, not full, it's still not full capacity though, right? So 
Well, yeah, and here's the, I am vaccinated, but I was not in a vaccinated section. And I have to tell the Yankees that, um, far be it for me to tell them how to do their jobs, but the vaccinated sections, everyone was sitting together. It was like a normal full game. The unvaccinated sections, no one was sitting within like 10 feet of me. Uh, it was much better that way. <laughs> I was going to say that actually sounds oh. pretty nice. Oh, it was wonderful. There's no, it was great. You could easily get up and go get this, go on. No problem. Um, <laughs> but it was a wonderful game. And uh, only the, we did have a real nature's healing moment where just for no reason whatsoever in like the sixth inning, some drunk Yankees fan in front of us got up and was like, and just started like ripping into Hunter Renfro <laughs> with like vague insults about him. And I, of course, having gone over the uh, May stats, know that Hunter Renfro was swinging a good bat. So I was like, it doesn't even make any sense. But you know what? So let him, let him scream. Let him scream. We all let it out. Everybody let it out. That's right. We got the last laugh there. Um, as I'm sure you know, if you're listening to this, the Red Sox got a sweep at Yankee Stadium over the weekend, um, totally changing momentum from earlier in the week when they had lost three or four to the Astros. It kind of seemed like there was a chance the season was going to start to snowball a little bit at the start of this really tough stretch. And I mean, they still have more to come, including a, another series against the Astros. Um, Seems like a good time for me to mention. As always, we're recording this recording this uh, Tuesday afternoon, so the uh, series against the Astros has not started yet. But um, yeah, they changes the mo- momentum of their week and really of the month. First time they've gotten a sweep in the Bronx, I believe, since 2011. Um, just not really something that has happened. Obviously, this Yankees team is not like Yankees teams we've gotten used to in recent years, but. Um, that kind of leads me into the first question, given the results of the weekend, given how both teams just looked, even putting aside the score, just watching them play. Did your opinion change of either and or both teams with the sweep? Yes, both. Did opinion change both? Yes, both. Because uh, after the Astros series, which had us me feeling really down uh, after the first three games uh, and then turn around and just blister uh, the Yankees and beat the Marlins. They enter this Astro series now um, with five wins on the road trip, I think. Five in a um, row, yeah. Well, five in a row. One um, of those ones is at home. The Marlins was at home, but yeah. Oh, right, right, right. So, yeah, it's same thing, though. They're padding the stats a little bit. Um, And I, when we were predicting it, I predicted they would go somewhere in the order of one game under 500. Uh, So, I'm looking good for that, but I was very concerned after the Astros series. So, the Red Sox are especially relative to the Yankees. I mean, in the couple of the podcasts we had that didn't get aired, we talked about um, how or I talked about how I felt like the teams were all very closely bunched, but I think the Red Sox are separated from the Yankees now, and that is a reflection of both of them. Uh, I think that the Yankees are, they have some problems. I was this, I heard on the radio today, that their outfield war is a one for the season, and that includes Aaron Judge. So imagine how the rest of them have been. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I think I'm right there with you. And I mean, I, we, I can get to the Yankees part a little more in a second, but just with the Red Sox, um, like you were saying, I mean, I was totally down on them after those first three games in Houston, um, I think I predicted a little bit worse even than you uh, before the stretch started. And those three games, I mean, I had already been pessimistic and then they dropped those three. I really felt like that was the beginning of the end. I mean, every year in baseball, there's one surprise team that just kind of goes buck wild for the first two months. And then it's a long season and you get reminded of that. And 
they come crashing back down to earth, and by the end of the season, you kind of forget that they were even in that position. Um, the one I think of is the Mariners a couple of years ago. I think it was 2019. They beat up on a bunch of teams, including the Red Sox, early in the year, and they were in first place, I think, through like two months, and then they just totally tanked and finished way out of the playoff race. I kind of felt like the Red Sox were heading down that path after those three games, and I mean, I don't even care about the scores and against the Yankees, but just winning those three games, and I think winning Monday's game against the Marlins was kind of a big one, too. I mean, that set up as the perfect trap game scenario. They got in late Sunday night after a Sunday night game. They had to play a weird game at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, just a one-game series against a Marlins team they don't see very much, um, facing a pitcher they've never seen. Right before facing the Astros again, trying to get revenge, it just seems set up for them to just play a terrible game and lose, and it was an ugly game. They didn't really play great baseball, but they still kind of managed to pull out a win, and I just thought that was impressive, and I think that's been the most impressive thing to me about this Red Sox team, to put, if I had to pick one thing, it's just sort of resilience in a bunch of different ways. Uh, They bounce back from tough stretches, they come back in individual games, um, individual at-bats, they've been pretty good with two strikes. Um, they've been good as an offense with two outs. I mean, it's just all these little things that kind of make... they You, you still need the talent, but those are the kind of things that can take a mediocre team and make them good and a good team and make them great. I don't know which of those the Red Sox are at this point, but I think they're definitely at least good, and that goes a long way. And... Um, yeah, bouncing back from those three games in Houston, I think that goes a long way, and I've totally, I'm buying into the Red Sox at this point for the most part, um, in a way that I certainly wasn't before. Oh yeah, I was, yeah, I was trying to make clear when I said that I thought they'd be because I initially I said they were going to be 500, and you said they had an odd number of games, so I couldn't pick. 500. Yeah, that's right. And then you went way under. I was just remi- I was obliquely reminding you of that. I don't care about me being. I do care about me being right, but you being wrong is especially important. That's the but important that's part. right. But uh, I, if you would ask me after the first three games, I would have said, "Oh well, Matt's obviously right," um, and they do play the Astros again, so it could be tough sailing but that you know every game counts and to do it in yankee stadium is wonderful especially if you live in the new york metropolitan area and you're uh the kindergarten teacher for your child has razzed you about the red Sox because it gives you an opportunity to carry a broom when you go to pick (laughs) up said child and hear about it in a very fun good-natured way but there were many laughs to be had because i everybody knows i'm the red sox fan i didn't have to say a word yeah i mean that that's the best feeling in the world um and and i mean look i think you you bring up an important point that this was at yankee stadium and i know to get to the other part of the that earlier question about both changing opinions on both teams i mean i certainly am more down on the yankees than i was before and i think that there are real problems with that lineup that I don't think I really grasped before the series. And while I do think they'll bounce back in some way, there's a lot of bounce back that needs to happen. I don't know that they have enough time to bounce back in the way they need to. But I think even a different kind of Yankees team, a lesser kind of Yankees team, being able to sweep them in Yankee Stadium is always going to be an achievement, especially for guys like Devers and Bogarts and Martinez and Vasquez and guys who have been here for a few years and have, I mean, the last three or four years have just been brutal at Yankee Stadium, so kind of getting that monkey off the back I think is a big a big thing no matter the quality of the Yankees team, and along those lines, the Red Sox now not only kind of separated themselves in terms of Fangraph's playoff odds from the Yankees, Red Sox are at uh, just under 74%, Yankees are at just over 54%, um, the Red Sox actually have the highest playoff odds in the division um, ahead of the Rays, although the Rays lead them by a half game in the real standings. Fangraphs has the Red Sox um, projected for a little more in the win column, a uh, better chance to make the playoffs, and 
The Red Sox just barely by a tenth of a win, so this doesn't really matter, but it's worth mentioning. They have the highest projected win total in the American League right now um, after this little five-game win streak. Does that sound right? Is that fair for this team after the stretch, or is that still too high for you? Well, let me tell you something. If I, I think I'm remembering this correctly. It was either last week or the week before, but I'm pretty sure it was last week. Uh, the baseball reference playoff odds show up when you go to the team stats. And last week, I think it was at like 38%. And I was like, wow, I guess they're as pessimistic as Matt. It's 63% now. That's a uh, big swing. And I feel like fan graphs, I don't know if it was quite as big, but I think it was pretty big. And they lost a bunch of games, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's not a bunch, but a couple. They... Uh, it sounds right. I mean, this the important thing with what they did to the Yankees is what the Yankees had historically done to Boston and still occasionally do, but it's it's even doubt. I mean, I get the sense, I'll just tell you living around here, uh, the Yankees fans hate the Houston fan hate Houston way more than the Red Sox right now. It's not oh, yeah. it, it's not comparable. Uh but the thing that the Yankees used to do to the Red Sox that it feels good is to kick them when they are down. Just bury them. And nothing feels better. I mean, nothing feels better than that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I'm probably still a little bit lower than these odds. Um, but like I, th- I think I would still take the Rays a little bit ahead of the Red Sox. I think I'd still take the Astros and the White Sox a little bit ahead of the Red Sox. But I think at this point, I would put them, I would put the Red Sox in that upper tier, top three or four teams in the American League. Whereas before, I think I had them in the middle tier, kind of in the wild card race, but not really a true pennant contender. Um, and I mean, I think that is a big jump. So I, I am a little surprised that they have them as essentially the best team in the American League right now. I don't know that I would go quite that far, but um, it's not totally out of the realm of possibility, which is just, again, I mean, that no matter how bad the Yankees are right now, that series means something. It's being reflected not only in narrative-type stuff, but also, I mean, these are computer-generated, and it's still manifesting in a big way. Yeah, I think that I had talked before about the group that the Red Sox were part of the the quartet uh, of sort of similar, you know, just the tier were the four teams in the AL East, but I think that's separated now a bit into the four you mentioned. Yeah, I think the Rays and the Red Sox are pretty clearly putting themselves in, in just inside the division in a different tier than the Yankees and Blue Jays. Um, what about in terms of individual performances this weekend? Is there anybody that stood out to you i know i have a few but before i say anybody um i was curious if there was anybody even if it was just friday when you were there i mean i have to say having watched the sunday night baseball game and having read tweets from accounts including at over the monster that if xander bogarts is going to win mvp this would be the year that it's starting to the he's underrated stuff uh, is starting to seep into the nas- national discussion. He was all, you know, he's very camera friendly. He was no uh, being overshadowed sort of naturally by Mookie Betts, uh, which is not something to be ashamed of on, say, a national broadcast. It seems like he's getting put front and center, and it's just nice to see for him. I think that was from a, an umbrella perspective, you know, he's becoming the defining player for the team in the, from the national media's perspective, and that's cool. Yeah, I think that's a good one. And I think um, especially in that Sunday night game, was that Sunday night or was that last night when he scored on the wild pitch? I don't know, whatever it was. He's been showing sort of more um, – that he's more than just a hitter. He made he's made some good defensive plays lately. I still don't think he's like a gold glover or anything, but I think he's. I've always said he's better than defensive metrics say, um, and he's showing some of that heads up base running and 
like you said, the Sunday night team kind of highlighted his leadership, which I think is big. So, yeah, it's a good one. Um, I think Marwin Gonzalez had a big series. I'm not, I'm still not super confident that he's like turning things around, but he has been sort of in this zone where he's coming through when they need him to, and he certainly did that this weekend. Um, and Hirokazu Sawamura is just. Um, he came in Friday. I thought he looked really impressive. Um, Josh Taylor. I mean, we're going to talk about the bullpen a little bit, but I think some of the non-stars having an impact um, was big, too, because, I mean, we've talked about it. This this lineup for a lot of the year has been reliant on their four main hitters, but now we're starting to see some of these other guys break out of their shell. And um, when you do that at Yankee Stadium, it definitely gets noticed than if you do it say against the Marlins or whatever so um yeah those are some of the guys for me yeah I I I feel like I feel a little vindicated vindicated on Marwin because I said they were going to give him time and I admit time had started to go a little bit long but you know he's a competent baseball player at core uh at his core and he showed that off at least in the short term, I don't think it changes the fact that if he turned back into a pumpkin, they, they might consider doing something in like mid August, but that's still that's a long, long way away. Yeah. And he's, I mean, he's got hits in four straight games. He's got over those four games, he's got three doubles and a home run. Um, so, I mean, he's undeniably swinging a hot bat, at least in this small stretch. Um, so moving away from the weekend a little bit, uh, we got some a little bit of Chris Sale news this week. Uh, Chris Sale is starting to ramp up his rehab. Um, it seems like he's going to go on a rehab assignment, not in the super near future, but it's coming into it's coming into visual. Um, you, we're starting to see it a little bit now. Um, I think Jerry Remy described where Chris Sale is right now as sort of his spring training, so um, getting closer to rehab, and he's also with the team right now. He's come up from Florida, at least for this current homestand. He's going to be in the dugout. He's going to be talking to the other pitchers. Um, is that something that you think has an effect on the pitching staff, just his presence alone? I think if you asked Connor Siebold, he would tell you it does. Connor Siebold having... Uh, helped spread the gospel of the return of Chris Sale said that he's been watching him and he said he's been watching Boogeyman in the in the bullpen I don't know where the Boogeyman thing came from but I kind of like it I mean he, he that I think it fits and look last year I remember tweeting something very cheeky that turned out to be prescient when when he was throwing in spring training the whole team was watching and they were apprehensive about him you know, I think it was clear they were just apprehensive about how he was going to look. And uh, at the time, I tweeted something like, they want to see him while they can. Uh, I certainly didn't expect him to miss the season uh, and get Tommy John, but that's what happened. So he, I don't have that fear anymore. I think that Chris Sale is just so... You know, it's like watching Kevin Durant shoot baskets. I think that there's something about the way he plays and pitches that is just so much. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. 
And Ramp Software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Much more, uh, it just has more vitality than the way other people play that people are naturally attracted to it. So I think it will only help to have him there. Plus, you know, he's a psychopath who can close the World Series down for you if you need to get there. Yeah, I mean, I think um, to what you were saying before, there is – sorry about the dogs barking if people can hear that. Um, there is something to be said about just being Chris Sale. I mean, he is one of those guys who just being him kind of pitchers are drawn to him. They want to see him. They want to talk to him. They want to talk pitching with him. Um, he has that competitive spirit. I mean, I there's not – many pitchers in baseball right now that have the combination of experience and age and achievement. I mean, he's on that Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw kind of level where if you're a pitcher, especially a young pitcher like a Connor Siebold or even in the majors like a Garrett Whitlock or um, whoever else you want to point to, even Eduardo Rodriguez, Nick Pavetta, having that guy to talk to I think goes a long, long way, and obviously the pitching has been good, so I don't necessarily see them taking another le- taking another or reaching another level with Sale in the dugout with them. But I think he could be the kind of presence and the kind of teacher. I mean, people have talked about him. He worked with Jake Groom. He's worked with young pitchers um, to help them stave off some regression that might otherwise be coming. So I think, um, I mean, I don't think there's any sort of huge effect, but looking on the margins where um, these things make a difference in tight races, I think that does help. Um, and, I mean, just turning our focus more to sales specifically, it seems like they haven't really given a timeline, but it still kind of seems like things are lining up for him to return sort of mid-July, the second half of July, um, after a rehab assignment. Is he going to be the quote-unquote big trade di- deadline acquisition. You kind of hear about this in every sport when there's a superstar coming back around the trade deadline, whatever sport you're talking about, and you point to them and, oh, they're the big trade deadline acquisition. Is that going to be the case for the Red Sox, or do you think they will be able to look past that and add somebody else? I think he's going to be the trade deadline acquisition. I don't think think this is shut down the Max Scherzer train pretty much near completely um which wasn't even like the train may not even first I of think all, we figur- made up that train. It's, well it's figurative to begin with yeah. and then I uh, thought we may have put it together uh but I suggest that we put it in a shop uh barring I mean that's it it seems it seems written that he will be that the other thing about him coming back is that you know the baseball is a long it's a long season uh and constantly having new things and new people around probably helps the players you know winning is the the most important thing but the i don't know how much him being around is anything more than just making people feel good uh just about being around him and it's just it's all psychology it's all pop psychology frankly but i don't think it hurts and uh it's going to be exciting when when he does come back but to get back to the answer you requested yes i think he's going to be the trade deadline acquisition the main one i think they will maybe still we've talked about how they've needed to earn uh the trust of the front office i think that they are if they if they earn the computer's trust uh, in a week, if they could do it just another week, I feel like that trust it will be totally earned. And I think Duran falls somewhat into the same category, uh, provided uh, he hits when he comes up, which we have, as prospect watchers have learned recently, is is by no means a sure thing. Uh, 
but I'm pretty confident about Duran. So if those two got, if you're adding around those two guys, I think that gives you tremendous <clears throat> flexibility to uh, make whatever move you need to, uh, rather than have to feel like you have to chase a big fish. Yeah, I think that's right, and I think the um, Duran point is a good one too. I hadn't really thought about that. I guess I'm hoping he's up sooner than July, so I guess I wasn't really thinking about him as a trade line deadline kind of guy, but I think that makes sense to put him in that tier. And uh, just as a little side note, we should mention uh, Baseball America updated their top 100 on Monday this week, and uh, Duran is now a top 30 prospect in baseball, which is just wild. So um, I think that is a good point, but to get to the whole trade deadline acquisition thing, I think you're probably right. Um, specifically with a guy like Scherzer or any other big starting pitcher that may be out there, just with Sale plus the five guys they already have pitching well, plus Tanner Houck uh, working his way back from injury now, and he should be ready um, by the time the trade deadline comes back. They have that depth where I don't know that they would need to get that big name, and then the offense has been good. I can see themselves talking themselves into not having to make a big move with the offense, although um, we don't have to get really deep into this. We'll, as the trade deadline gets closer, we'll get more into specific targets, but I've kind of been slowly talking myself into Joey Gallo being like the perfect target for them. Um, he's a guy who can play first base, and then Tristan Casas um, comes up whenever that happens. He can also play corner outfield, and he can DH some, um, and he should be available this summer. So um, I think that there are – the broader point I was making is that I think there are some big names that can help the offense and kind of make the offense uh, turn into more of like a true World Series contending kind of offense. But I think you're probably right that it's not going to happen in that. Um, Chris Sale will probably be the big deadline acquisition, which – I think I'd be a little disappointed in, but at the same time, I can't really be disappointed in anything uh, regarding Chris Sale. So Bobby Dahlbeck for Joey Gallo confirmed. Straight up. Let's do it. Get it <laughs> yeah, well, get it done today. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that sort of move makes sense, but I also don't think it's going to happen. Um, another thing with Chris Sale, and I've gotten a lot of questions about this in the last couple of weeks, and I've seen some people talking about it on the interwebs is that uh, they think it would be a good idea to have Chris Sale come back and pitch in relief rather than joining the rotation. I was curious what you thought about that idea. No. No. My my answer is no. Mostly because I think that thinking him of, I mean, thinking of him as a starter and if he can't go X number of innings, he shouldn't start the game sort of flies in the face of what modern baseball is sort of, you know, they have no problem taking him out after two innings if he was fine and just slowly building up from the top uh, so that you can just stretch it out that way. I'd much rather have Chris Sale start as an opener and slowly try to extend it. And if that didn't work, if it, if it showed like, you know what, he's got to be a reliever maybe just this year, then you stick him at the back. But I think you start him at the front. I agree. I think the more I've thought about it, the more I'm open to it, but I still ultimately think it's a bad idea. I think you're right um, that you have to start him. At least see how he works um, as a starter before making any kind of move like that. Um, I will say, though, that it is, as always, I mean, it totally depends on context. Um, how does he look in his rehab? Is he making the, is he going at least like three, four innings against minor league competition and looking strong throughout? And what does the rest of the rotation look like? Is Are Perez, Pavetta, and Richards still pitching like great pitchers? Are Valdi and Rodriguez doing fine? I mean, right now they don't necessarily need help in the rotation but that could definitely change in the next six weeks or so before sale comes back so i think all of those factors come into play but just based on what my own 
expectations are for Sale and for the rest of that rotation. I find it hard to believe that when the time actually comes, I'll actually be wanting Sale to be in the bullpen rather than moving Richards or Pavetta or Perez or whoever it may be, Um, and assuming they're all healthy too. So, I mean, there's obviously a lot of factors at play, but all else being equal, I think he's Chris Sale, and you just you got to stick him in the rotation and just hope for the best. Yeah, you don't have Tommy John to come back and say, well, I'm a reliever now for this well, year. Well, I think, I mean, yeah, I think the point was people are making are just for this year, um, not like long term, but even that, I think you want him in the rotation for the rest of this I year. Think, I mean, yeah, I mean, especially when I think you could pretty convincingly argue that, you know, we did the, we've done starting pitcher rankings uh, that, again, mostly did not get published. But I think that you and I would probably both say if you had to rank them from here on out, it's Evaldi number one now. Um, I don't mean to speak for you, but I think that's at least close to consensus the way he's been pitching. Yeah, I think that's right. But uh, in for a team where that that title can flip so sort of haphazardly, you want Chris Sale at the top. Um, you he's he's an order of magnitude better than. Uh, at his best than almost every pitcher who's ever lived. Frankly, he just has a hard time staying healthy because he's a, he's literally a boogeyman and he's built a stick breaker. <laughs> so I get it. Um, so you are, I know this is like possible as I'm asking this, I'm kind of annoyed with myself for asking this, but I mean, just broadly, are you, are you expecting Chris sale to be a top Pitcher in, like at at the top of this rotation, um, not necessarily right when he comes back, but say heading into September. If he has not gotten hurt, I would expect him to be the Sox best starter heading into September. Yes, I think so too, and I think that is, I think that is the main reason why I wouldn't want to put him in the bullpen because I don't have that kind of confidence in any of these other pitchers and I do think Evaldi's throwing the ball really well and I do think Rodriguez is better than his numbers say and I've been impressed by Richards and Pavetta and Perez in a way that um, I think is more sustainable um, than I probably would have expected even just a couple of weeks ago Um, but I don't see like I all of those guys I can very easily talk myself out of. Um, but Chris Sale, as long as he's healthy, and again, we don't know how the rest of his rehab's going to go. A lot can and probably will change before he pitches, whether that's for the better or for the worse. Um, there's just nobody that has the ace upside in this rotation. So um, I, I think I have that same expectation, although there is obviously always some caution uh, to be thrown. With a pitcher coming back from Tommy John, but um, also nobody he's... hit nobody hits anymore, so you know that's. Th- I mean, Chris Sale in this strikeout environment and this run environment, if he's at his best, I mean, it's going to be something to watch. I think that it's possible that when he's starting a game heading into September, we've still. I mean, I the problem with starting pitchers is they're uh, often like complete and utter psychopaths. Like, if you try to take Max Scherzer out of a game, he will bite you. <laughs> but, but I, you know, I was thinking, I've been listening to NBA stuff and uh, how Kawhi Leonard is, like, like, almost, he doesn't trust the team doctors. He has own doctors. And with the Raptors, he would just say to Nick Nurse, he's like, I got five minutes in this quarter to give you. You figure out how to use it. I wish... I would love Chris Sale to be like, I could go four or five hard innings, and then I'm, but that's not how it works with that's pitchers. That's not right Chris, now. especially that, not Chris Sale. No, no, not. He, he's probably the, outside of Scherzer, probably the second most likely to bite you. But Scherzer's. He's, he's definitely on that list. I mean, Scherzer's absolutely number one. So, uh, I mean, Chris Sale did cut up jerseys oh because God. he didn't want to wear them. So, uh, Sale can give shares I run for his money, but... Um, Th- that was incredible! That was one of the greatest Twitter uh, 
days in the history of that website for sure what a, but what a what a concept just, <laughs> we're not gonna, gonna make wear... me wear these uniforms well i'll just, just cut, cut them up pieces yeah <laughs> yeah that was uh that was good um but i mean yeah i think you're right it would be great if he was wired that way but at the same time if he was wired that way he, he might not be, be Chris Hill, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> I just—I'm pretty confident he would not be, um, and that's why I mean the Red Sox have made clear throughout this process that they are taking their time because if they gave him any wiggle room to push the timeline any faster, he would absolutely um, do so, and that obviously could have some long-term ramifications that um, they are obviously hoping to avoid. So that's Chris Sale. Um, Obviously, we'll have some updates, more updates on him coming up, hopefully starting a rehab assignment relatively quickly, and then we'll move from there. A um, few other points I wanted to get to before we close this one out, uh, starting with the bullpen. Um, they have been getting some good innings uh, late in games, and not only from Matt Barnes right now. Uh, Adam Adovino is rolling. Uh, Sawamora, as we mentioned earlier, uh, pitching very well. Josh Taylor, as you pointed out to me, I had originally omitted him from the discussion, but he has been very good in those late inning situations. Uh, Darwinson Hernandez has been very good as well. Um, they're just getting it done in the late innings, but relievers are fungible, as we all know, and they're open to a lot of variance. Um, as things stand right now, getting back to sort of the trade market, do they need to be looking at the best relievers available, or they can they kind of go into that second and third tier? I mean, I think every contending team tries to add a reliever, but it's a matter of what status of a reliever they get. Well, I think that's where the flexibility comes into play and the sale and Duran uh, expected uh, additions. And I, I have to say to Duran's case, Alex Spear is now tweeting about how it seems to be a matter of uh, – when not if and if he's tweeting that sort of stuff i i have to imagine it's pretty close um it gives you flexibility which we know they love to uh, strike wherever you think you have to uh with whatever sort of force you can never have too many relievers and you can never have too many great relievers so uh with Barnes pitching as well as he has and everybody else pitching as well as they have, they certainly don't need uh, a, one of the top names, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't get them. That's a long-winded way of saying it doesn't – I don't know. Maybe maybe they want a middle guy. Maybe they want a middle-tier guy. Maybe they want a top-tier guy. I vote for the top-tier guy, frankly. Let's get better players on this team. I think you kind of talked me into it because I was going. I was originally thinking that they wouldn't need that, but um, assuming, and this is a big assumption, and we know what happens when you assume. Um, but if the rotation does stay healthy and Chris Sale's able to make it back, and they don't need to add a rotation, um, a rotation member, and the lineup keeps producing, all of a sudden the only area you really are looking for impact is the bullpen and. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to cost you a Tristan Casas or Jeter Downs or Gilberto Jimenez or any of those kind of top tier of your system prospects. Go get the best reliever out there. I mean, I haven't taken a deep enough look at what the trade market looks like right now to um, necessarily point to who those big relievers are going to be, but absolutely go get them. If that's all you have to do... I don't care if it's going to cost a little more. I don't care if it might be extra value. Like you said, you can never have too many relievers. You can never have too many great relievers. So um, I think you changed my answer there a little bit. Go get the best one. Well, and I think that this dovetails with what we were saying last week about needing to prove to them uh, that they're a real contender. And I think the more proof they provide, the better the reinforcements they're going to get. Um also, but that, but I do want to take issue with something you said based on, or we both said, but something you have alerted. You seem to be not as generally comfortable with the stable of middle infielder types. So I was wondering if another, uh, maybe a 
better one of those you think would be a better fit, uh, even if it sort of necessitated moving one of the current guys down or out. I could see that. I just, I feel like first base is as big of a problem and it's an easier one to address just because you can just send Bobby Dalbeck down if he's not part of a trade. Um, whereas you can't just send down, um, I guess you could say, no, Christian Roy is out of options, so I don't know that you want to put him on waivers, and Arroyo's been good. Marlon Gonzalez, I've said that they'll cut him, but I don't know if they'll do it by the trade deadline. Um, Danny Santana, same thing. I don't know that they want to go that route, although that's not too difficult. So, I mean, I guess I could see it. It just seems like if they're going to upgrade the offense, it just the path of re- least resistance is at first base, to me at least. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, But, I mean, speaking of that group, that kind of gets into the next question. Right now, playing time is kind of roughly even being evenly distributed between Kike Hernandez, Marlon Gonzalez, Danny Santana, Bobby Dalbeck, and Christian Arroyo kind of just all getting basically two days off a week, more or less. Um, is that good with you? Is there somebody who should be playing every day out of that group? Um, are you good with the way it's being managed? I think it's the perfect way to manage it. Uh, this is something I think I've met, I may have mentioned it on this podcast, but I don't know uh, that one thing that Bill Belichick strives for with the Patriots is to have fewer people doing more things. So they're always engaged, but you also need to give them breaks. So I feel like this is just the, the percentage points you might get for putting a different person in uh, probably doesn't outweigh the consistency that this gives you. And this is also constant, like this is perpetually trading, uh, treading water until one or two of them get hurt. And then the others will play more. Uh, they have clearly decided that this is where they're okay to sort of just float in the middle of the roster value uh, spectrum. And that's if they are going to do it this way, this is how you do it. I think I mostly agree. Um, and I do think that Cora is doing. I think this is probably the most impressive uh, part of Cora's managing this year, at least in terms of like on the field tangible stuff, is the way he's balancing this playing time and balancing playing the hot hand while also, like you said, keeping guys engaged and keeping guys on the field and getting reps. Um, that said, I wouldn't hate if I saw a little less Danny Santana. I certainly wouldn't hate if I saw Danny Santana replaced by Jaron Duran on the roster. Um, or at least Christian Arroyo maybe getting some of those at-bats from Santana, and Santana maybe only playing three days a week rather than four or something like that. Um, But for the most part, I think think you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about um, keeping keeping everyone engaged, keeping everybody getting reps, especially a guy like Bobby Dahlbeck, who is obviously struggling, but he needs to get at-bats. And there's a lot of guys who are not performing that well but Cora is somehow still getting a great offensive performance from this team so um, I think a lot of that is from the way he's managing that group of players so like you've said pretty much every episode of the show this season they keep winning it's really hard to argue with some of the stuff when they just keep winning yeah I, I definitely suspect that if you talk about dynamic clubhouse dynamics, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, with Danny Santana, I feel like they feel like it's their, I don't know, responsibility. Cause I mean, some response, some things you would think, uh, I'm not going to make a reference to the Mookie trade. The, uh, they, they have a responsibility to their veterans to like treat them a certain way. I feel like, especially until Duran comes up, but Danny Santana having the least time in that clubhouse by virtue of his road to get back uh, and combined with his non-hitting, I do think make him the first most likely uh, guy to disappear uh, with Duran knocking down the door. Yeah, I think I think um, if a Duran call-up is imminent in the next couple of weeks, which I really hope it is... Um, the only way it's not Santana spot that he's taking is either 
an injury or um, they decide to go back to a four-man bench, which I don't really see happening. So, yeah, I think Santana is probably um, probably the last guy to go. All right, last little thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, we talked a little bit about All-Stars last week. Uh, voting has started. Uh, game is a little more than a month away, and um, as you may have heard, because it's making some people in this country very angry, uh, they moved the All-Star game from Atlanta to Colorado, um, which means that we have a home run derby coming at Coors Field uh, next month. And so you can pick one Red Sox player to be in it. Who is it? This isn't even a question. It's Devers, of course. I think it is Devers. I think so, too. He's the most fun. I mean, I think that last night's video of him and J.D. uh, goofing around. And, like, the the picture you use all the time. He's so expressive. (laughs) I think, well, I think it's, that's what I was going to say. It's the expressiveness of him. Right. He's Uh, perfect for that event. perfect for that. I did think J.D. Martinez would be fun, but that would be more in sort of a just watch this robot hit home runs to every part of the field. I think it was two years ago, and I think it was Acuna um, hit, like, all of his home runs to the opposite field, and there was something very fun about that to me because it's just not what you see, and it sort of just feels like showing off. Like, I'm going to win the home run derby, and I'm going to do it by hitting it the other way too. So I think J.D. Martinez in that respect would be fun. But, yeah, I think you're right. It is... The obvious answer is probably Rafael Devers just because of who he is. And, I mean, I can only imagine the faces in the pictures that we would get if he were in that event. I mean, this is not... He just... He's got the smile. He's got the... Uh, he's got a little Ken Griffey Jr. going on, but he's way goofier. Like, he's he's more of a... He's a big goofball with a great smile. Hits the ball a mile. He's perfect for the event. But I do have to say about the Acuna thing is he was playing with ping pong balls at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I'm hoping they play with ping pong balls and no hum- humidor for Homer Derby at Coors Field. I mean, make it. Yeah, let's, make let's it just fun. let's go all out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I want to see a 600 foot home run or something. Um, And yeah, I mean, to your point about Devers, personality, he kind of reminds me of um, Pedro on non pitching days for him. Um I mean, he sort of had that split personality where when he was pitching, he was, like, locked in and nobody could talk to him. But the days he wasn't pitching, he was just a giant goof. That That's kind of who Devers reminds me of just on an everyday basis. You know, I still think about when they taped Pedro to the post. Like, what if what if there was a foul ball, man? Like, <laughs> he can't get out of the way. He can't do it. I'm still scared. This is, like, 25 years later. I'm still scared. I never even thought about that. And that picture is... I use that picture for... Anytime I need to set up a profile for something where I don't want to use an actual picture of me as the picture, that's the picture I use. And that thought had never really crossed my mind. So you're kind of ruining that picture for me a little bit. Nice. (laughs) Then my my work here is done. (laughs) And I guess that's a good place to end it. Um, We hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, If you did, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts if you haven't done so already. Uh, Please recommend us to friends, family, strangers, anybody you might run into on the street. Uh, Leave us a rating and a review. Uh, please give us a follow on Twitter. I run the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. Brian is at Brian Joiner. Brian with a Y, Joiner with an I. And uh, you can see and read all of our writing at OverTheMonster.com. And we will be back with you next week. <laughs>